Hello, and welcome to Piecing the Parsha Together. Parsha's Mikates this year um, is uncommon because it does not overlap with Hanukkah, and that can only happen in one specific configuration uh, for the Jewish year. Rosh Hashanah has to fall out on a Shabbos, and the months of Cheshvan and the month of Kislev both have to have only 29 days, which is what happened this year, and therefore. Shabbos Hanukkah ends up being Parshas by Yeshev, and then Mikates is just by itself. So hopefully we have an opportunity to maybe focus a little bit on Parshas Mikates. And I said, uh, I think last week, that it would even be appropriate to focus on the Haftorah. Mikates begins with two dreams of Paro. One that symbolizes... Uh, but one aspect of it symbolizes plenty, one aspect symbolizes famine. And it's interesting that Paro has two dreams at the beginning of Parshas Mikates, and Yosef had two dreams at the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev. And whereas Yosef's dreams in Parshas uh, Vayeshev will cause Yosef to be put in Gullus and eventually in prison, Paro's dreams at the beginning of Parshas Mikates will cause Yosef to come out of prison, will ultimately bring certain salvation. Uh, for for yeah, Yosef's family as well as Mitzrayim. And it's also interesting to see that one of the, each of their dreams is about wheat. The Haftorah for Parshas Mikates also focuses on a dream. It's the dream of Shlomo uh, where he asks Hashem, rather than riches, I'd rather have intelligence. And he wakes up with intelligence and then the story of the two women arguing over the child, uh, both claiming it's theirs, and Shlomo's suggestion that it be cut in half to figure out which woman cares more about the son and would rather not have the baby cut up. More on the concept of the significance of dreams, there's a quote from Rav Tzadok Akoin in the Sefer Masha Hayahushi on Haftoros from Rabbi Eli Wolf, who lives on Yeshiva land in Israel. And Tzadok begins by saying that the beginning of a Parsha is often the Yisod of the Parsha, which is an idea that I don't always stick with, but perhaps it is very, very relevant here. And then he says that Parshish Miketz is waking up from dreams. And then he says that you go from the dream to to the in the, the, the sort of imaginary state to the MS. He says in the Chachba. Quoting a Pesach from the Shir Hamalos, we say before benching, when we return, then we'll be like dreamers. And then he says, that will be the tikkun, the complete tikkun for all the dreams. And then, Rav Tzadok continues that with the dreams of Yosef, he says that there's a fulfillment of Yosef's dreams through Yahushua. And any other king from uh, Yosef's lineage, which I think would include Shal, but, he says, it was not a, a full-fledged emiss. Because the true king from B'nai Israel is only through the Shevet of Yehuda. So, Rabbi Wolf then comments that maybe we look at the Haftorah from Mikates, which focuses on the kingdom of Shlomo and not Yosef, to focus on the sort of complete tikkun complete fulfillment of that idea of us returning to um, Eretz Yisrael, to, to Tzion. 
and he says then that perhaps we should look at Yosef's reign in Mitzrayim as the reign of Mashiach ben Yosef. And then if you look at the reign of Shlomo in the Haftorah, you would have the Malchus of Mashiach ben David. So then he quotes again from Rav Tzadok that says something along those lines. That Shlomo is the Melech um, Olam Hazer of, I guess, Mashiach. So, and there's a war, and there was peace. So then, Rav Wolf concludes with Yehoshua Kadal Elsi Shapir, the Hemshech of Parshas Mikates, Shehi Parshas Malchus Yosef. So Mikates is the focus of Yosef's kingdom. Right? And maybe it's also this idea of Mashiach ben Yosef. It says that it makes sense that that would flow. Um, they have the, the Haftorah of Shlomo, which is Mashiach ben David. And then he puts in brackets that this might also have to do with sort of following Hanukkah. Malchus Shlomo is Hasagas or Mashiach ben David. Yad Acha Hanukkah. Right after Hanukkah, Shachanukkah is the Yom Tov of Arach Dinei Mashiach. Is setting the light for the Redeemer. We don't always understand how the events of Gaulus play out. And I would imagine that that would have been the case in Hanukkah 2, the Gemara says they didn't establish the holiday right away. It focuses on a military victory, and I don't even, I wonder how many people even recognized the miracle of the Pach Shemin that it burned for eight days. And we know that the wars uh, with the Hashmonayim continue, and the, the Hashmonayim turn against the Rabbanon, and it's possible that these events ultimately cause the destruction of the base of Megdash 170 or so years later. So it's never clear. Maybe things that could look positive end up long-term negative. Things that long-term negative may end up being long-term positive. And so too with the Parsha. Yosef is in prison, but then he gets out. He's now in a position to be a viceroy, which is a higher position than he would have ever become in Potiphar's house. And he's able to use that to save Mitzrayim and ultimately provide salvation for his family, even though they don't recognize it. And the brothers and Yaakov are still dealing with the sale of Yosef, even if it has been 22 years. And they go down to Mitzrayim and they encounter this strange Egyptian ruler. And Shimon gets put in jail and they're threatened as being spies. And they have to go back to Yaakov without one of them. And they have to bring Binyamin down. And this probably seems like a terrible thing that has befallen them. Tragedy on top of tragedy. Shimon may be gone. What's going to be with Binyamin? What's ultimately going to be with the family? Are they going to perish because of famine because they can't go back? And then they do go back. And everything seems to be going well. And Yosef invites them uh, for a meal. 
and they drink together, and maybe there's even a certain amount of levity that that ensues. And of course, the next morning when they depart, then there are all of a sudden accusations against Binyamin, and Binyamin is forced back to the palace, and the brothers return to the palace, and it is not clear at all what's going to happen. Should they? Oh, they're all going to be slaves now. Uh, now you think it's it's terrible. It's 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 worse, Gaulus, maybe. And I am not sure. Parshas Vayetze has no breaks in it. And there's a Balatorium that focuses on the idea that it's um, it's focusing on Gaulus. It's largely, I think, outside the land of Eretz Yisrael. As far as I know, the Balatorium makes no no comment about Miketz, which also has no breaks. And I wonder if part of Miketz is this idea that you could sort of look at Gaulus and Vayetze and it's the trials, tribulations that Yaakov encounters, uh, fleeing from Esav, dealing with Lavan and all his trickery and Lavan even pursuing after them. Miketz offers a slightly different uh, picture, a picture of ups and downs, but also not always clear where the good and where the bad is. Is it a dream? Right? Is it the idea that we awake from the dream? as Rav says, and that we can have some clarity. And we recognize that we will ultimately, apparently from from the from Tehillim, we will wake up from that dream when Hashem returns us to Eretz Yisrael. And again, we think in this time of uncertainty in Eretz Yisrael, this time of, of war in Eretz Yisrael, again, it is, it is difficult. And we can only hope that we will be able to, in some sense, wake up and understand how everything fits into place. With that, I wish everyone a wonderful Shabbos. See you next time.